Holy and righteous Father, King eternal, immortal, invisible, to whom all glory and honor is due. I thank you for everything that you've done for us and what you've tried to do for us. You've tried to give us inheritance among those that are sanctified by your might, by your power. I ask you to strengthen us not only in the inner man, but strengthen us in every aspect of your government to the praise of your glory, to the excellency of your will. So the people will know who we are because we are your children, and that they will know the magnificence of your power in this world, not just the world to come. We ask these things in your power. Amen. Amen. And even so, amen. Uh, my desire tonight is to finish the book of Numbers. Uh, not forever, just for right now. Because how can one really say they care anything about the word of God and dismiss the book of Numbers? I read it one time and now I'm through with the book of Numbers. May it never be. I like the way the King James say, God forbid that I would do such a thing. But I do want to make it perfectly clear that the book of Numbers is often neglected. And we've covered many of the chapters, well, we've covered every chapter except this one. And we've seen the power that's in it. Now, if you're watching this video, if you're watching this class, and you hear something in it that's worthwhile, feel free to share it. But I need you to understand that the book of Numbers was about, is about, and what we covered is the government of God Almighty. The name Numbers, don't let it, don't let it fool you. Don't let it slow you away from saying, well, I'm going to skip that book. Or because sometimes I see names Reuben and I see Isaacar and I see Asher and I see Dan and Gad and, and I don't know who those people are. There's a reason you don't know who those people are. Your first and primary reason is because you did not read and it was not important enough for you to understand who these people were and what the Most High God was trying to convey to you through these people. And then it could be also the pastor that you have chosen to follow. He teaches you topical sermons, and he won't take you through the Bible because he feels that you won't listen. It will bore you to tears. But are you bored now wearing your mask? Are you bored now being quarantined? Are you bored now standing six feet away? Because you will stand six feet away, and you will hear what Fauci say, and you will hear the directives that come down, and you will do it. But when it comes to God Almighty, you don't give one tinker's damn about what he says. And for those that are weak in the mind, a tinker's damn is like this metal cup right here with a hole in the bottom. And the tinker would come and fix it, put a little piece of mud under it, and put solder in the middle, and then let it get cool. And then you can drink out of it like what I'm doing right here again. And throw the tinker's damn away. You don't care what God says, but you will put your mask on and let the world know you on you in tune with that. But when it comes down to the righteousness of God, I, I can't let them see my life. I ain't gonna say six inches. 
six feet. Here's the deal. With all the social distancing that we're doing, why is it that the white and the black church have socially distanced all these years and act as if you care about God Almighty? Why is it we can stay not only six feet, six miles, six years, six centuries, well, not necessarily six centuries, six decades away? Why is it we can cover our faith and not want to hear each other? I'm talking spiritually now. And you feel comfortable calling yourself the children of God Almighty. Many of us will be damned before God because we have shown him. We feel that one part of the body is more important than the other. First Corinthians chapter 12 talks about that. The hand say, I can't beat the foot, so I ain't going to play. Or the eyes say, I see everything. I'm going to be in charge over everything. And so because all of the books are printed by me, and because I control all of the satellites and TV, I'm going to have you little people here to do what we say, and we'll set up the directors and set up the schools, and, and you'll do things our way. I will submit to you that the kingdom and the government of God is not set up for any group of people to feel they're better than the other. The book of Numbers teach that. Even where you get such folly. Well, it's folly to you because you don't know what I'm talking about. It's folly to you because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. And because of that, you can have asininity or perversity or you can be stupid and perverse in your mind when it comes to the scripture. And Drina don't like me to say that asininity of perversity is like speaking English. The book of Numbers that we're getting ready to close on. Let me give you let me give you a kind of an overview. The book of Numbers start out with a magnificent census that would be boring to the average person. It starts out with the date. It is the first month after they come out of the land of Egypt. He starts taking the census of the people and he starts naming who's in charge. So when you move to what we call, some call it the Brit Hadashah, some call it the New Testament, I would say the compilation or the consummation of the plan of God for his people as they were getting ready to go into the world and fulfill what he told Abraham. Guess what? When you see in 2 Timothy 2 and 19, he says one thing Paul does when he talks to Timothy. He says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And check and see that that's 2 Timothy 2 and 19. It's going to be 2 and 19, whether it's 1 Tim or 2 Tim. I want to make sure I got the right address in the right house because somebody looking in and say he don't know what he's talking about. He say, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. In the book of Numbers, the first thing that they do is they set up the kingdom and he starts numbering and counting the people. And when they set up and number and count the people, they take them in 20 years old 
and upward that are able to go to war because I need you to know that I'm sending you to a land. You're going to do a job for me, and the job that you're going to do for me is not going to be what you want to do. I am setting up a government. I'm setting up a militia. I'm setting up a military government. I'm setting up a government that has a priesthood. I'm setting up a government so that people will know my rules, my laws, and my statutes. So the first thing I need you all to do is to understand I'm in charge. I'm picking somebody out of every tribe, so you'll be you'll be absolutely unequivocally represented in this government. You'll be represented with your law enforcement. Somebody's coming from each of this tribe to do the military. Then each of the leaders, yes, it's a patriarchy. And for those feminist women that don't like patriarchy, then deal with God. I don't care what you don't like. I believe that God is paramount, and I don't have to check my brain at the at the, at the thing of feminism or either Black Lives Matter. Why do you say Black Lives Matter so much, Tim? Because the belief system was written by a woman named Malachi Garza, M-A-L-A-C-H-I-G-A-R-Z-A. She's not even a black woman. She says she's a man. She's not even a black man. But she hates the patriarchy. When I say God set up a patriarchy, he set up for the men to go to go to war, not the women. And the men were to be responsible for doing God's will, going and executing his judgments in the land. So he set up the men for that. He set up the Levites to administer God's teaching to the people. He set up certain Levites to make sure that they would be able to move and take care of the furnishings in the tabernacle. Because I'm not just going to have a military. I'm going to have religious service so that you all will know what it takes to be right with me. You all will know what it means to deal with one another. And then by the time we move to the fifth chapter of the book, of numbers we say i'm going to start showing you even more so how to deal with each other in my government if you steal from somebody he said you're going to pay back one fifth of what you stole if you take something and you that's appropriate to me you're going to add a fifth to it he shows in that book of numbers in the fifth chapter he also shows that marriage is sacred that it is a small kingdom within a kingdom. And if a man goes and lays with another man's wife, he should be put to death. And if the husband feels that his wife has been too sweet, too friendly, or the spirit of jealousy comes upon him, he is supposed to take a book where they'll take, they'll take and they'll write in a book curses. Then they'll take water and wash those curses off. There's a procedure that will go through and that water will be consumed by that female. If she's innocent, she will bear children. There will be blessing upon that family. But if she's guilty, her thigh will rot and her belly will, sm will swell. It probably smell too, but can you imagine walking around with a rotted thigh? That's what Israel ended up doing. Israel was unable to continually produce children for God. And Israel was in bad shape. Then we start seeing in the sixth chapter, there's some people that want to be dedicated to the most high God. And there was nobody that could stop them. They, they didn't have to necessarily be part of the priesthood. All they had to do was want it. And those people were called the Nazarites. 
They would dedicate themselves for the holiness of God, to the government of God and doing his will. And the very hair, the locks on their head would grow. And that would be a representation like the band that the high priest wore, that it was holy to God. And at the end of that time, they would take that hair, they would shave it, it would be offered as a sacrifice. So we're dealing with that, but we move on and we see that God showed the people that I want to lead you. I want to guide you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a pillar of fire at night. So if I want you to move at night, you can understand you're being led. Not what you feel. Some people say they're led by the Spirit of God and they're doing wickedness. It was a pillar of cloud in the day. Lead the people to guide the people. He gave them trumpets. Trumpets would sound. They had different sounds for the trumpet to let them know that it's time to go to war, whether it's time to celebrate something, whether it's time to come together for a convocation, whatever it was. And I would submit to you the trumpets were showing the people in a small sense. I call it the training wheels, that the word of God was to be like a trumpet, to let you know when it's time to go, to let you know when it's time to move, to let you know when it's time to dedicate. I will submit to you that the trumpet should be sounding from we preachers now, right now, that look, we are in dangerous situations now, and especially, especially black people. You really don't. Think that America won't not does not want to get rid of you? Let, let's let's do this. Let's think transcendentally. In order for what is to be what it is, what would have had to take place for that to happen? Let's say it again. This is a flashlight. Okay. In order for this to be what it is, what would have had to have taken place? Somebody would have had to think of it. Somebody would have to think of how to put the LED in it, how to put this on it, how to formulate it, how to make it, how to whatever it took to make it. You don't just think it exploded and got there. That's the kind of stuff that this book here deals with, how carbon-14 and all the uh, radiometric and isotopes that they use and different things like that, and they use these things to say the world is so long, and uh, I, I read other stuff to let you see that there are scientists that say, no, no way possible. But in order for this to be what it is, something had to take place. When it comes to doing God's will, when it comes to us understanding who he is, when it comes to thinking about the things of God right now and the things of how it is for black people, what would have to be in place for so many of us right now to be locked up in prison and being sold as slaves of very, 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 very cheap labor? What would have to be in place for you to be able to hunt down Ahmad Aubrey and you shoot him down like a dog and nobody care? Or Philando Castile, and you just shoot and kill? Or you take a man and you put your knee in his neck and you just hold it and you sit there like, like nothing's wrong? What would have to take place for white churches to, to say, you know, we don't really care that much about what you all go through as black people. We gave you affirmative action. We said we are sorry. What would 
to have to be in place for every black person that has any Bible, any of the books that I have in here, for every single one of them to be written by our white brothers, and the majority of them, don't tell me I'm lying, because I can prove that I'm not, that the law of God is no longer valid. You're under grace. Whereas the Bible tells me in Romans 8 and 7 explicitly, thank God that they wasn't removed. The carnal mind is enmity against God and is not subject, not subject, not under the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And the same Bible will tell me the, the Messiah said with it from his own precious lips. I'll say to those that say to me, Lord, Lord, if we're not prophesied in your name, in your name, we cast out devils in your name. We did many wonderful works. I'm going to profess to them, depart from me. I never knew you, ye that work iniquity, which means you are not under law. You are lawless. What would have to be? What would have to be as a concerted effort to put black people in the position where God would damn them. Again, your school's inferior. Your education and your schools, because some of your schools are dangerous. We're going to control how you do your sexuality. We're going to control what you learn about God, and we're going to de-emphasize the righteousness of his law. We're going to emphasize his grace, and we'll do like the Messiah's Jesus brother said, you turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. And we're going to stay separated from you all of the time. And the lands and things that were taken um, from your enslaved foreparents, we're going to keep them, no matter how much they built up in wealth. But we're going to tell you that the level playing field is there. The book of numbers will allow you to see that that is not part of the government of God. That is the government of man. When God set up his government, he did not set up a government where somebody say it's socialistic. No, he set up a government that if your tribe was big, they'd get a lot. If your tribe was smaller, they would get smaller. But they all worked together for the kingdom of God and not themselves. He had a priesthood that was over them that would deal in righteousness so that Judah could not say to Levi and Levi say to Asher and Asher say to Gad. We don't have no part of what you all go through and the pain and the suffering that you go through because by the time you get to the book of Judges, well, let's go back to Joshua. They are helping each other then. They are helping each other overcome to get what God has given them. So much for that right now because we've covered this. And if we hadn't, we can cover it in discussion. We see that God led them, guide them, put things in place to have a government. You have a militia. You have my laws. You have my righteousness. You have the ways to deal with each other. You have ways to get your sins forgiven. You have ways to draw near to me as in a Nazarite. But then I also make sure that everyone can see that I lead and that I'm in control. When you don't know your Bible, when you don't know the word of God, you don't see how God controls. You think everything in history is secular. You, you act as if there is no God, that even your COVID, even what you, we call racism, even what we call uh, domestic abuse, God is in control. When I say in control, when it happens and it doesn't seem dealt with, that's because he's waiting till the right time for him 
to execute it. We see that he set people in charge and people didn't like it. Miriam had a problem. Aaron had a problem with Moses and God made them understand we're not, everybody's not equal in their position. There are some people that I deal with more than I deal with you, or there's someone. There are some positions that I have that are not for you. We saw that with the four tribes that encamped around the tabernacle. Each one of us has a gift. Each one of us has a particular thing to do. Yet, we're all one. Then we see in Numbers, when the time comes for God to give his people their inheritance, I said inheritance. Inheritance is going to be very important in my message tonight. Of the 36th chapter, that's what it's talking about. In the inheritance, it is to be kept by a family. It is given to God for a family. And that inheritance is something that individuals work with to keep, to pass on. And the inheritance was emblematic of having God. Now, the beautiful thing about that inheritance was is that it reflected what you were to God. Say it again, Tim. God gave them an inheritance, but in actuality, they were, God, they were God's inheritance, and that's why I gave you an inheritance. Say it again where you can understand. You give your child a bed. You give a child food. If they need a spanking, if you give them a spanking, you give them a toy, that's their inheritance. Why? Because they are your inheritance. Was that clear? And what God Almighty El Shaddai was going to do is take what I'm doing for my people and spread it to the world. So when it was time to stop and to stop just going through the religious ceremonies, yes, they were having ceremonies by then. They were offering their sheep in the daytime. They were offering their sheep in the evening. They were following the pillar of cloud. They were seeing what God would do whenever they went and transgressed against him. But now he said it's time to go in and conquer the land. I did not save you to sit down and be saved. I did not save you to become autonomous or to do your own thing. I saved you that you would serve me. That's what I told Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 4 and 22. Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my son go that he might do what, Andrina? Serve me. So that was time. And they saw that it was hard. But it was time. They saw there were giants there, but it was time. They saw that there were people that were willing to fight over there, but it was time. The people were too big and looked too astronomically hard to do, but it was time. Do we not see that there are parallels? It is time now for us to start standing up and teaching our children. It is time for us to love one another. It is time to stop capitulating and compromising to this world. It is time for us to let the people know, no, we believe in a husband and wife like God say. We believe that God chooses the sex of an individual. It is time that we say, look, we are not going to continue to be quiet when we realize that we are not getting along as people that say that love God because of our ethnic background, which in some cases is a damnable shame. No, in all cases, because all people came from one, and that man would have had to have been what we call black. Because it's absolutely impossible for two completely white people to make black children. 
all of the colors in the spectrum are in black. So therefore, every one of what we call races is like what Paul said in Acts 17, I believe it is 17 and 26, of one blood. He made all nations. Where did the blood come from? Genesis 2 and 7. And when Yahweh breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul. That's where your blood is in your oxygen. And they wouldn't go in. What about us? Do we see his time? Do we see times have changed on us? Do we see that the wicked is at war to drive us out of the land? Now, let me make sure that I get this clear. I believe that's true for all people that serve God. But primarily for those that share my ethnicity as black people. If you want to know why I say black people instead of African-American, let me tell you one time in this message and one time only. There's a difference between a person that was raised up in Africa and had the freedoms and had whatever freedoms that they have under British rule. If they're not under British rule, they were able to live there. They still know their culture. They still know their language. They still know whatever they have learned about God Almighty. That's one culture. But for those of us over here in America that call ourselves African-American, the real problem is anybody that can be an African-American, whether they're South African, whether they're from China, whether whether they're from India, all they have to do is go and live in Africa for a little while or get a citizenship there and then come to America and get a citizenship. They'll be African-American. People play with names so that they can treat you differently when it comes time to deal with you as a group when it comes to legalities. When I say black, I say that because I experience it's different in America. I'm not going to go through all of the slavery, all of the debauchery, all of the rape and being stolen. I'm going to say that our culture was taken, one, as part of your inheritance, your, your inheritance, your culture. Our parents were taken from us, part of our inheritance. The homeland taken, language taken. All of the things that you give your children as an inheritance was taken from us. We are a special people. That's why primarily I try to speak to us biblically so that you can understand that the Bible not only was by us, it's for us. And we are to be for God and then be a blessing to the nations. It's not that we are to be the butt wipe or the toilet paper of the world. Do you hear me? We're not to be the toilet paper of the world. We are to be the crowning jewel of the world. We are supposed to be those that help bring people to the light of God. We are supposed to be those that uplift the kingdom and we are able to go out into the world and give them the water of life, the bread of life. When you see Yeshua, when you see him relieving the poor, and I'm talking about the righteous poor, when you see him healing the sick, not just the physical sick. He's asked the people, would they be made whole? We see what our role is supposed to be. That's not a subservient role. That's a role where you're the servant, and because you're the servant, it makes you great. We see that they complained against what God did in the book of Numbers. And God had to show in the book of Numbers that I'm in control of this government. Nothing is out of my hand. I can control everything. I can control what food you eat. If you're out of food, if you're out of meat, I can bring it. If you're out of bread, I can bring it. But insolence, he shows that there's a time when he cuts it off. Then we see that the enemies of God will rise up to drive his people, listen to me, to drive his people out of the land, to take their inheritance, to give it to their children. 
and we saw that with Balak and Balaam. We see that there comes a time that somebody, they don't know who it's going to be, but somebody will get so fed up and indignant for God that they will stand up for God and God will find joy, even if that person hadn't been appointed to do and execute his righteous judgment. So as we move to chapter 36, we see there's an inheritance that was given, that's supposed to be had. So I want to show you these few things because it's only 16 verses and most of it has already been covered in 35. But let's look at what we have in the government of God and how we're going to work it, okay? Turn into your Bibles to Deuteronomy 22 and 6. I want you to I want you to feel this stuff. I want you to taste it. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, 22 and 6, listen to what the Most High God did. Why did he set them up as an army? Why did he set them up as a government? It's because he wanted that government to rule the world. So listen to what Yahweh has set up for his people. In Numbers 22 and 6, Yahweh says, Come now, I pray thee, and curse this people. They are too mighty for me. Yahweh has set his people up to rule and to rule the nations and to be in control of the nations. But guess what? There's an enemy that we see on the horizon. If you don't look and see that the, the activist groups, Antifa, the laws are set up to curse us and to get rid of us, Whereas we're supposed to be supporting the kingdom of God, you're not seeing it. Only thing you've seen is that way back in the past and you're not applying it. So listen to what Balaam did to try to curse God's army. Come now, I pray thee, and curse this people. They are too mighty for me. Heard eventually I may prevail, that I may smite them, that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot not that whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou curse is cursed. Understand this. This is what they wanted to do to the army of God. God's army was sent forth to go forth into the nations and rule. So Balak, the son of Beor, of Pethor, he wants to bring damnation on God's army. Are you with me? Drop down to verse 11. Are you? I'm at Numbers 22 and 6. I, I just messed that up at all. Gary, did you catch that and let me slide on it too? Uh, don't do it to yourself. Okay, because I, ju I just know if, if I need to be corrected, I don't I don't need to walk like that. Because it's going to be videoed anyway, and it's like I, I go back and say, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, you wrong, you wrong. And I go back and look, and it's like, I don't want to eat the crow. Okay, do uh, Numbers 22 and 11. Listen to the second part. Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which cover the face of the earth, Come now and curse me them. Peradventure, I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. If you can't see that our culture right now, if you can't see the educational system right now, if you can't even see the religious system right now, if you can't see UNESCO, the United Nations, if you can't see the governments of the world, look at how they were beating black people in China and acting like we caused the doggone COVID. Look at what's going on right now and tell me they're not trying to drive us up out of the earth. Look at Margaret Sanger way back then killing our babies. Look at them turning our men. Let's make them where they're going to be cisgender or not cisgender, gender fluid, and not even care about the sexuality that's necessary to produce life, that kingdom that God wants. 
get rid of you. We drive you out of the land. But why is that important that they do that? It's because something special for that army that God has set up in numbers. And I will submit to you that we are army of God. So let's see why God set up that army. Is that fair? It is. Deuteronomy this time. Real Deuteronomy. Not the numbers Deuteronomy. The Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book in what we call the Torah. Listen to these words. Hear, O Israel. Deuteronomy what? Chapter 9, verse 1. Okay. Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day, and to go in and possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, and cities and fenced up to heaven. A people tall and great, it's really great and tall, the children of the Anakim, whom thou knowest, of whom thou hast heard say, who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand, therefore, this day, that Yahweh thy Elohim, the Lord your God, which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire, he shall destroy them. He shall destroy them. He shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out. So shalt thou drive them out to destroy them quickly as the Lord has said to thee. Understand the difference here. Yahweh is saying you're going to drive them out. But look at what they were already trying to do in Numbers 22 and 6. Drive them out of the land. Curse them. Numbers 22 and 11. Drive them out. I would submit to you that the war is still the same. They're either going to drive us out or we're going to drive them out. The people of God has the same kind of work to do as we black people. If you're the people of God, if you are we black people that know that we've had God and turned away, we're, our job is to drive out the wicked. And it's not going to be like this. It's going to be when we become dedicated, consecrated to his word. And we do like they did in the day when they cried out to God. And it was sincere to God. And God saw a man that coming to look at what am I doing in this bush, making it light up and not consuming it. And he said, boy, 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 I say, boy, I say, boy, take off your shoes from off your feet. For the ground you stand on is holy. But he says, I come down because I heard some crying. Mm. And I yeah. come down to yeah. see about it. Yeah. This is what we got to, got to go for now. So he says, understand this. It's heated gold before us. We act like we got to get consensus from the concerned black clergy. We act like we got to get consensus from the theological seminaries or from the Bible colleges or from our white evangelical brothers or from the Muslims or from any activist group before we can do God's will. What is wrong with us? That's hellish. Listen to what he told his army. Understand, therefore, this. It is Yahweh your God. It is He that goeth before thee. Didn't David understand that? Big boy. I said, big boy. You come at me with sword and spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord. It's He that goes before you. He's a consuming fire. He will destroy them. He shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as Yahweh has said unto thee. For those that don't know and haven't been with us in Numbers, Numbers and Deuteronomy go together. Moses, in actuality, you could say he died at the end of Numbers or because Numbers and Deuteronomy run together. So you could actually be reading the inners first, okay? Because all this Deuteronomy is what he's doing in that last year with those people. 
Therefore, this is what he's telling the army of God. We don't act like we're an army of God. We act like we're supposed to go to church and, Jesus, Jesus, ooh, 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 Jesus. And that's all. Or like you get sophisticated, we have come into this place, gathering his name to worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then we leave. And there's no war. They had plenty of time to worship. But when it came time to do the work, they had a problem. And Moses is saying, you got to go in and do the work. But you're doing it, but it's him. He'll bring them down to your fa- by your faith, I mean to your face, before your face. You will drive them out to destroy them quickly as quickly as the Lord God has said unto you. Speak not and say in your heart. Speak not thou in thy heart after Yahweh has cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness, the Lord has brought me, Yahweh has brought me in to possess the land inheritance. Say not it is because Yahweh has brought me, and my righteousness he's brought me into this land to possess it. For the wickedness of these nations does Yahweh drive them out. Understand this. This is what I had to tell a man two nights last night. It wasn't that God was just having him killed. He was executing judgment as the king of the world. And he can use who he wants to to execute it. And God was driving them out because of their wickedness. It was a punitive. It wasn't just tribal wars. But I'm submitting to you that we don't understand that we're in war right now. But look at all our casualties. Let's don't even look spiritually at our casualties in our community. Let's talk about 19 million black babies that got uh, capital punishment for doing nothing and their body parts sold and some of the insides of their bodies being used in vaccines by a man that's wealthy and say, you know what, I believe in population control and I can work with the CDC to get vaccinations and make sure we get it to the black people in the Africa. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. And let me show you clips until they're taken off. Not only that, but he's executing his judgment through his people. And we don't see that there's a war against us. We're not even trying to see how God wants us to fight. At least if you don't understand that, can you at least fight for the battle of the mind? The mind to say we don't want God in any of our solutions. All we want to do is come together with the Buddhists and the Shintoists and the, and the Marxists and the, and the Socialists and the Islamists and the Five Baptists and the, and the One that's Pentecostal and the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormon and who else said they believe in Jesus, uh, Christagena and the Catholic Church. And let us all come together that really look at God's word as being a tool to advance what we want and let's work out a solution. Is God divided? And when he asks First Corinthians chapter two, is Christ divided? He's not. But I'm doing it because they were wicked. Now listen, this is very important. But for the wickedness of these nations, Yahweh does drive them out from before thee, that he may perform the word which he which Yahweh swear to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
what did he swear to them in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? So much so that he spent a whole book or invested a whole book in the book of Numbers to show how I set up my government, how I set up my laws, how I set up my kingdom, how I am to be worshipped, how you all as a military group are supposed to go in and capture the nation and teach them my word. Listen to what he told Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. This is when he gets ready to make a covenant with Abraham. And the Bible says, and the angel of Yahweh called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. He's offering his son Isaac to be obedient. And in the 16th verse, and he says, by myself, I have sworn, save Yahweh, because thou have done this thing and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is by the seashore, and thy seed, and thy seed, and thy seed, and your descendant, because it's singular, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. I'm going to give him an inheritance. Moses is saying, you're not great. You're not good. You don't even thank God for your food. You complain about the manna. You say we don't have meat to eat. But because he made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I would give you a seed, and I will give you a seed, and your seed will possess the gate of your enemies. I'm driving them out of their wickedness, and I'm going to let them go in and give the laws, possess the gates where righteousness and law was done and possess their kingdom. I'm going to let you possess the gates of your enemies. Inheritance. God is about giving inheritance. Where is our inheritance, America? Tell me after 400 years, where is our inheritance? Tell me. In order for what is to be what it is, what has happened? How is it that we only own one half or one percent of the wealth in America and the land in America after all of this time. Where is all the land that was taken when it was said, nigga, get off the land and you're going to be dead. Where is the land of the people that were killed? Where are the treaties that were made with us? Does anybody care? I doubt it. But guess what? with the social activist groups that don't believe in the word of God and they believe that we can use the black people's plight as a mean to uh, usher in Marxism, socialism, and they can do any kind of wickedness that they can get power, you will be made to care. Verse number 18. No, 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 yes. Verse number 18, I read that he had possessed the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because thou has obeyed my voice. This is why I said when we turn back to the most high God, when we turn back, all of the nations will receive a blessing. How are we going to bless a nation when we can't even bless our own family? How are we going to bless a nation when we can't bless people in our own assembly? How is it we going to be blessed when we exclude God a priori? A priori means before we even start with anything, we're not going to do God. We're not going to do spiritism like the UNESCO, the United Nations educational thing. We're not, everything is not, nothing going to have a supernatural construct in it anyway. We're just going to make that declaration. We're not even going to really look it up. We're just going to make it and say it. Go read it. It's worse than what I said. So he said they will possess the gates of his enemies. 
listen to 13 verse of Genesis 15. And he said to Abram, know of a surety, Abraham is asleep. Abram is asleep right now. He's, God has made him go out because he's going to enter covenant with Abraham and he's going to do it substitutionally. Abram is going to be asleep. Abram is not going to walk between the animals, which is a maledictory curse where whoever breaks the covenant will be put to death. So he's going to take the substitute for Abram. That's going to be a smoking furnace and there's going to be a lamp that goes between. Yet Abram is asleep. So you know that it's going to be done substitutionally. And he said to Abram, nor of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and they shall serve them it says and they shall afflict them 400 years and also that nation whom they serve will i judge will i judge and afterwards they will come out with great substance when i bring my children out of captivity out of bondage out of oppression out of robbery, out of rape, out of baby genocide, when I bring them out as being the outscouring of the world and as means of building up a kingdom from somebody else, when I get to the place that I decide to judge them, I'm going to bring them out, not saying you get 40 acres in the mule and you get nothing. Not saying you're going to get land and you get nothing. Not saying that you can set up and have any kind of income at all and get nothing. I'm going to bring them out with great substance. The people of that land is going to give it to you, not the king. Because I'm going to move their heart. And I'm going to bring you out so much so that it will be that you have plundered them. It's God's pattern. The Bible said Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the first 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, verse 8. The Bible tells us in James 1.17 that God has no variableness, a shadow of turning. Well, somebody say, I don't know what that means. Do you understand Malachi 3 and 6? I'm God. I change not. That's why I hadn't destroyed you children of Israel, you prophets of Israel, you priests of Israel, because I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Listen to verse 15. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace and be buried and buried in a good old age. You got a legacy that you leave in your family. You got an inheritance that you leave in your family. You will, you will die physically, but you'll still be alive according to Luke chapter 20 and 37 because all men live to God. But it says in the fourth generation, they shall come out hither again. They're going to come back to where you are right now while I'm, where I'm talking to you, Abram. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. I'm going to let the Amorites do what they're doing while you're being in bondage in Egypt. And the Amorites, they are not listening to me. They are listening to Elohim or Shadim, and they are following them by the name like Baal Peor, uh, Baal Rizpah. Uh, they are following different gods of those men or Elohim. We get confused with God, so we're using the German word Gott, which is God, as opposed to the Hebrew word El, which are spiritual beings that have power. And they are doing that, and their iniquity is not full. When it gets to a certain point, I'm going to cut it out. So I'm going to make them converge. The time I bring you out and the time their iniquity is full, I'm going to bring you out to execute my judgment. That's why Numbers is written. To show you that God has a people that he wants to bring heaven on earth. But why do you think we pray that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven? You think in rapture and he's thinking kingdom. 
tell. God is trying in the book of Numbers to show the people how to have your inheritance solidified. But Israel and we in America, and especially we black people, we are trying to solidify our inheritance in wickedness, in rebellion. Let me show you the picture. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 6. Deuteronomy 9, verse 6. Moses says, understand, therefore, that Yahweh your God giveth thee not this land to possess it for your righteousness. But thou art a stiff-necked people. Don't we have women dancing on the poles in the strip club? Don't we have pimps and glorified pimps and hoes and all of that? Don't we glorify homosexuality? Don't we glorify murder? I don't care if the music industry pay you for it. Don't we glorify it? Don't we glorify disobedience to parents? Don't we glorify I'm an atheist. I'm spiritual. Don't we glorify saying I don't care about what God says. I go to church. Aren't we the same people? Look at us. You are a stiff-necked people. Remember and forget not how you provoke us, Yahweh your God, to rap in the wilderness. And it says, from that day or from the day you did it, depart out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place where you're supposed to begin your inheritance. You have been rebellious against Yahweh. Also in Haram, you provoke Yahweh to Ram so that Yahweh was angry with you to have destroyed you. What is wrong with us? There is no difference. None. Let me give you a brief synopsis of how that looks. Let's go to Psalms 44. Because you say, Tim, you hadn't got to Deuteronomy, thir- I mean, Numbers 36. Yes, I have. You just don't know it yet. I've already got that. I've already given you the workings of the inheritance. God has an inheritance for his people. They can forfeit it, those that are living, but somebody of his people are going to get that inheritance. Listen to what, what Psalm 44 and 1 says. Let me see if it gives me the inscription of who wrote this. This is to the chief musician for the sons of Korah. You know, that's really a special there, the sons of Korah, because in number 16, we saw that their ancestor was killed because he rebelled against the Lord, and, and he thought he was equal to Moses. And God said, you know what? I've been dealing with these folk a long time. I'm tired of y'all colored folk. I'm going to show you. I'm going to do to you. I'm a, if Moses ain't my man, if Moses ain't doing what I'm saying, and you all are equal to Moses, if these men die like regular men, you know, they go to sleep, they die, maybe a horse kick one of them in the head, or, or one of them fall down the hole, and it's just regular stuff, you know, then Moses is nothing. Yahweh say, if I do a new thing, a new thing, you know, because y'all think y'all know all I can do. If I do a new thing, you're going to know what time it is. Let me make sure because I have people in other countries listen to me. He, he didn't mean like on the watch. I'm going to let you all know that Moses is my man. So what God do? He open up the ground and suck them in the ground. And they went alive into the pit. And he closed the ground up and they couldn't see where it was. And then the people got angry with Moses. Yeah, they did. So in Deuteronomy, so in number, I'm back at Psalm 44 and 1, explaining what we're going to read in the 36th chapter. We have heard with our ears, O God, and I was just saying this with the sons of Korah. 
they knew how God operated and, and they learned how to fear. That was part of their inheritance to see God will judge. We have heard with our ears, oh God, our fathers have told us, yeah, they did, what works you did in the days and the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen, and the heathen with your hand, and you planted them. You drove out the heathen and gave them an inheritance. You drove out the heathen and you gave them an inheritance. You planted them. They are driving us out, and they're planting their things in our schools. They are planting their inheritance in our churches. They are planting their inheritance in our music. They are planting their inheritance. They get up on the stage. You know they rap. You know sometimes they do horror. You know they do every kind of debauchery. You know what kind of life they live, and they come in and drive us out and put in their inheritance, even in your assembly, you don't see it, they come in and put their inheritance in your school, have a man up there sitting wide-legged in a dress with his panties on in front of your child, teaching your child how to live, they tell your child, they don't even have to obey you. But Yahweh's plan was to drive the heathen out and plant them. How you did afflict the people and cast them out. Notice when the man was arguing uh, last night, uh, very weakly, that they went in and attacked nations. He didn't know Psalm 44. Yahweh said, I was doing it. I drove, he drove them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. Gary, this is important for us with what's going on right now in America, what's going on in Africa, what's going on in Brazil, what's going on in Dominica, what's going on in all of the places, places where they want to get rid of this skin. We can't do it by sword. They know we don't control the electric grid. They know we don't control the internet. They know we don't control the military. They know we don't make the weapons. They know we don't make the chemical weapons. They know we don't make the medicine. Because many of those things, when we got ready to do it, we were barred or they were sanctioned where we couldn't do certain things. He says, but they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand, thine arm, the light of your countenance. Because thou had favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name we will tread under that that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow. Neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies. And have put them to shame that hateth us. In God we will boast all the day long. And praise thy name forever. Noise is sailor. Until we get this kind of mindset when it comes to our enemies, those that have declared war against us to destroy us and to take our inheritance to remove us off the land, we will never win. God has orchestrated it and set it up to where we know it's a losing battle. They can control your thoughts with CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. They can make things go in your mind. You don't even know going on in your mind. They get to control the radio. They get to edit every book that comes out. They can edit your posts. They can edit your YouTube page. They, the only way you can win is what this man saw through God. Can we have, this is a question, can we have a prayer? like Moses did for Yah's inheritance. Can we have a prayer like that? You see, he gave them one, 
one because they were righteous. But can we have a prayer? Let's look at what Moses' prayer was in the ninth verse. God didn't want to skip the ninth verse because it was too pretty. But listen to what Moses' prayer was for the people. But thou hast cast us off and put us to shame. That was the problem. That's where we are right now. Nobody did it to us but ourselves. Why you say that, Tim? They came enslaved. They say, why you complain? It's because if you read the scriptures, every time somebody does something to the people of God, they are still culpable if they do more than Yahweh has ever allowed them to do. You got to go back and read Isaiah 10 and learn the scriptures. But it says, but thou hast cast us off and put us to shame and goeth not forth with our armies. That's why you can have Slick and you can have the NAACP and you can have Antifa and you can have BLM and you can have all these groups. But what, what really changes? What really changes? They lock you down more and the Supreme Court passes more laws. But it says, thou makest us to turn our back from our enemies. They get us to the place we don't even speak up for Yahweh anymore. I'm scared that they, they, they're going to, if we say something about God, they'll call it a hate crime. Thou makest us to turn our back from the enemy, and they which spoil for themselves. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat. Thou hast scattered us among the heathen. Do you do you understand we're scattered among the heathen? Look at where you work. Look at your schools. Look at your churches. Tell me your church is not usually full of heathen. Look at the places where we go. Look at all the sports events. Look at the entertainment world. Look at everything, even in science. You believe everything they tell you scientifically. Why do you think these people will not lie when they get grants? Why do you think they don't have political agendas? Why? Why are you so trusting of them and not trusting of God? God told you to socially distance in the fifth chapter of the book of First Corinthians. If a man is a fornicator, if he's a liar, if he's a railer, he said, don't eat with him. He says socially distance. And what do we do? We put him up on the stage and let him be somebody big. We'll let him, I don't care if you practice homosexuality or if you dress in drag, we'll let you come to our stage, put your hand on one of our top preachers and go, and, and give him a million dollars and he shake like this and speak in tongues like you got the Holy Ghost. Yes! This is what we do. We are like sheep for meat and have scattered us among the heathen. Thou sellest thy people for naught and dost not increase thy wealth by their price. You sell us and don't even benefit from it, Lord. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors. In China we get beat. And China come to Africa and beat us. And then in some of the places here, they don't want you. And then a lot of times you'll see things where, the, where they talk all you the nigger this or the color this or the black this. They say all the kind of things that have been said against us. And a lot of times, even in our white churches, they used to make us wear white gloves. That's where it came from because we don't want you to contaminate or get anything dirty inside of our churches, but we'll let you ush. You make us a reproach to our neighbor. You let us be called super criminals, reprobate, irredeemable. Sell us off to the prison industrial complex, whereas you let your conservative president bring drugs in, crack, to our neighborhood. I'm talking about Ronald Wilson Reagan. And give it to a man named Rick Ross because we want the Constantinists to fight. It was in Nicaragua and, and all of that going on. It says, you make us a reproach to our neighbors and a scorn and derision to them that are round about us. 
You make us a byword among the heathen. Are we not a byword? Aren't we a joke? Can you do that dance again? Do that again. Do your lip like that again. Oh, you an actor. You're a black actor. Put on a dress. I don't care who you are. Put on a dress. If you're a black actor, put on a dress. Put on lipstick. Do it. Do it. And we'll let you rise up. If you're in the entertainment, you say, do it. If you're a woman, do it. Black dream God, do it. You make us a reproach to our neighbor, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. Thou makes us a byword among the heathen, a shaking of the head among many people. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me. For the voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemes, by reason of the enemy and avenger, all this has come upon us, and yet we have not forgotten. The sad thing is, is that you can remember God and not act upon it. Neither have we, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. You're not even being in the covenant anymore. Our heart is not turned back. Neither has our steps declined from your way. Do you hear? Do you hear those that are the remnant? Do you hear those that are fooling themselves? The same kind of word be said about both people. Am I right? The same kind of word be said about those that swear they're doing right as the same thing being said by the remnant. But then it says, our heart is not turned back, neither is our steps decline from the way. Thou, though, sure so broken us in the place of dragons and have covered us with the shadow of death. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out for he knoweth the heart? Yea, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. The saddest thing is I could read the rest of this. It is good, but I'm not. I want you to see this as I get ready to end by going to the 36 and read it. I want you to hear how it is what God had wanted for us as an inheritance. And I submit to you that the inheritance that God has for us will either be ours or someone else. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, listen to what God has said. These are the people that's going to go out. We see them in around Exodus 12, uh, 7 through 12. They go out of Egypt and numbers is letting you know the month after they came out what goes on. Yahweh said unto Moses, Now Shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh? And with a strong hand he will let them go. And with a strong hand he will drive them out of the land. He's going to drive them out of the place where they were in bondage. He's going to drive them out from being subservient. We need God to make the ungodly, the wicked, this system drive us out of them so that we will be subject to God. We are finding too much acceptance, too much acceptance, too much enjoyment with our oppressors. The Bible says, choose not the way of your oppressors. Yeah, it did say that. I know I read it. But listen to what he says in Exodus 23 and 30. Same book. He talks about how he's going to do it when he drives them out and then they go to other nations to drive them out for their inheritance. He says, by little and little will I drive them out before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. That's for the inheritance for us, not just in heaven, 
but in this world. 23 and 31, I will set my bounds from the Red Sea even to the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert of the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and shall drive them out before thee. That was God's job. That's our job to drive wickedness out of the land. But I showed you in numbers, they wanted to, the, the wicked one wants to drive us out. He did it with Balaam. He did it with Balak. But what does God say in Numbers 33? We were there a couple of weeks ago. Numbers 33 and 55, if you will not drive the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side and will vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. This is what's going on with us now. We have not by righteousness drove out the wicked. We have not done it. And because we have not driven out the wicked and the Lord was going to drive them out for us, because we didn't do it, they are now driving us out. They make our eyes hurt with what we, we see them doing, selling our babies, killing our babies. What they're doing to the elderly, Mario Cuomo's son, Andrew Cuomo, taking all those people with COVID and putting them in nursing homes. Yes, he did that. So many of them died. Again, I got, I got. I had plenty more, but I just want to read this one. Then I want to show you in Judges. In Deuteronomy 18 and 12, when Moses is telling these people about their inheritance, he says, for all that do these things are an abomination to Yahweh because of the abominations of the Lord your God does he drive them out before thee. Those that worship demons, those that worship other gods. But when you go through and you look at what he does in the book of Joshua, I mean, Judges, I skipped Joshua for the sake of time. But in Judges, in Judges 129, I'm just going to give you a little list. Judges 129, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelled in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt among them. Judges 1 and 30, this is another tribe. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahal, but the Canaanites dwelt among them, and they became tributaries. Judges 1, 32, the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. You see the point. I could keep going. So what about the inheritance? What about the inheritance? It's right here in Numbers 36. Let's look at it, and we'll be finished. Well, Tim, why did you do it that way? Well, I get to explain the passage the way I want to explain it. I want to give you the build-up so when I start saying these things, you understand. And so the chief of the fathers, this is number 36 and 1, and the chief of the fathers of the families of Gilead, the son of Merkir, the son of Manasseh, the, of the families of Joseph, they came near before Moses and spake, the princes, those that are in charge, those that knew that they had an inheritance, the princes, those that understood royalty, the chief fathers of Israel, and understand who this is. Joseph is the one that was sold into slavery. This is one of his sons, Manasseh's tribe. And they said, Yahweh commanded the Lord to give the land for an inheritance by lot to the children of Israel. There was an inheritance for you to have because you were driving the people and to drive the people out of the land to the children of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by 
talking about my Lord Moses, was commanded by Yahweh to give inheritance to Jehoshaphat, our brother, to his daughters. And if they married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the children of Israel, then their inheritance should be taken from the inheritance of our fathers and shall be put to the inheritance of the tribe whereto they are received. So shall it be taken from our inheritance. What they're saying is this man died. The daughters, when we went through numbers, said, we, my daddy wasn't caught up in the sin of that rebellion, but he didn't have any sons. And we don't want somebody else to get our inheritance. Can we have our inheritance? So he had to go before the Lord. And Yahweh said, yes, these girls can have the inheritance, all five of them. But they got to marry in that tribe because they deserve that family inheritance. Is to be that family's inheritance. It's not to be taken. It's not to be plundered. So if they go and marry uh, into another tribe, whether they go and marry into the Benjamin or they go marry into Judah, the tribe will go to one of their other relatives because the tribe that I give them is theirs. Understand something. Don't you ever think that God had nothing for we black people in America. Just because somebody took our inheritance and took whatever they take from us and keep it, it doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. We see his pattern here of government. I want every man that loves me and cares for me to have an inheritance for his children. Paul say that the children, like the parents live for the children. Then he say it. I know I'm telling you the doggone truth. So it says, and Moses commanded the children of Israel according to the word of Yahweh, saying, The tribes of the sons of Joseph have said well. This thing which Yahweh does command concerning the daughters of the Holy Fed, saying, Let them marry to whom they think best only to the family of the tribe of their father shall they marry. Only those that will keep the inheritance intact for that family's legacy. There was no legacy for us to have, Gary. Billy Merritt worked on Murphy's farm. There was no inheritance for us to have because he was he was chattel. Verse eight, at uh, seven. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel removed from tribe to tribe, but every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. It is something important that you can have. That's why God said, don't, thou shall not steal. It's because you have a right to have an inheritance. You have a right to own something in this land, although it belongs to God. You get to be able to have ownership of it. Verse 8, every daughter that possesses an inheritance in any tribe, any tribe. So now we're saying this is the, this is the case law. Now I'm going to give you some more statutory. Every daughter that possesses an inheritance in any of the tribe of the children of Israel shall be wife unto one in the family of the tribe of her father, that the children of Israel may enjoy every man inheritance of their fathers. Do you want to really tell me that as black people, God did not want us to enjoy any inheritance of our fathers? Are we supposed to enjoy being debauched and raped and pillaged and beat with a whip? And then thrown to the animals and children fed the alligators and not being able to read them because stupid is that the inheritance that you believe that God Almighty wanted for us? It's a damnable lie. And then it says, 
Here the children of Israel keep to himself his own inheritance. Verse 10, even as Yahweh commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zehalaphet from Malach, Israel, Haglah, Miltah, and Noah, the daughters of Zehalaphet, were married unto their fathers, brothers, sons, first cousins. And when they were married into the families of the sons of Manasseh, the son of Jake, Joseph, their inheritance remained in the family of their father. I'm telling you now, if you don't understand anything about inheritance, then you have no right to complain about what's going on in this world now. It's already written for us. Verse number 13, these are the commandments and ju the judgments which Yahweh commanded in the hand of Moses to the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jericho. What is it that you just covered? He brought them out of Egypt to be an army, to set up a government. And to set up that government, he had rituals, he had ways he led them. He had laws that he taught them. Not only did he have rituals and laws that he taught them, he taught them how to have justice. He taught them how to have honor and respect. But the purpose of them was to fulfill what he had given to Abraham, and that was to possess the gates of the enemies. Why? Because of the wickedness of those enemies. Why did he choose them? Because he made promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when they went and they got those lands that was their inheritance, and they were supposed to be able to give their inheritance to their children so that their children would benefit and so that the nations would be blessed by his children. All nations didn't have to be conquered in so far as war, but they did have to be conquered in so far as it was the war of the mind between those that would want to drive them out and those that they need to drive out so that God's righteous standard can rule over any of the Elohim, whether it's Murdoch, whether it was Baal, whether it was uh, Asherah, whatever. So the inheritance of God's people was ensured by God setting up a government. The only thing that could take man's inheritance or our inheritance from us is that we leave his government and defect to another government. The inheritance that God has for his people is not to be taken away by anyone at all. It can only be given away by those who despise it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for letting us see in the book of Numbers what you intended for us and letting us see what we did to thwart your plans. Help us, I pray thee, in these times right now to make righteous application of how to fight against your enemies and how to obtain inheritance that you want us to have. Amen. Amen. And even so, amen. And now open our class for discussion. If there's any discussion to be had tonight, I know I talked this class in a different way, but a lot of times things that when I when I think in my mind, it's like, okay, I know what I think this time. Let's let people see what a window into my mind was going on. And then when we go to the past, it's like, oh, okay, got it. That's the big deal about inheritance. That's the big deal about driving people out of the land. That's the big deal about Hagelam, Allah, Terah, and Noah, that that inheritance. You see, Gary, some people will never have an inheritance if we have to depend on our evangelical brethren to make sure we get that which God wanted us to have. Any comments?
Yes. You mentioned the uh, several passages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is. It is. But see, what happens is when you become when you're in Christ, you become Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So that's why if a person will say, well, how do you get to be the seed singular and then you get to be the seed? Because you keep talking about we're supposed to possess because we're supposed to be in his son. And then we become one with him. But it's not him becoming one with us and making himself entwined. In other words, he's the vine with the branches. But sometimes people might act like they think it's two, it's two um, vines going together. No, one is totally dependent. One one can function without the other. I thank you for that question. Is there is there anyone else? I, I'm looking on the Facebook. If there's any comment on anything I said, please uh, type it in. Because it's important for us to really realize we do have an inheritance. And I don't want people to think, Tim, you hate white people. That's a damnable lie. I've been blessed by white people so much so that sometimes I don't want to say what I have to say, but I have to say it. Why? Because it's more important to me to please God. Let me tell you what I'm trying to learn. If we all could learn this one secret to life, I just want to be meek to God. If I could be meek to God, Tim, where do you learn this? Why, why, why do you say this? Because Moses said when Moses was writing, the, now the man Moses was the meekest man upon the face of the earth. And I'm reading this as a teenager. I got tickled. Like, Moses said that about himself, golly. And then I realized, look at Moses' life. God said, go, he go. God said, shut your mouth this last time. He shut his mouth, but he still gives him Aaron. You leading the people that want to stone you. I mean, stone you, kill you, defect from you, make you look stupid. Want to take your place. And instead of you slapping the taste out of them. I mean, what Daddy used to say, sometimes he say slap the taste, and then sometimes he say slap the teeth. Uh, the plural of teeth. He told me that when I slapped the teeth out of your mouth, you're running that mouth. Well, here's the point. Moses was humble to God, but yet he could take and beat the people. Moses could take the golden calf and crush it in the powder and make them drink it. Moses could tell them, go kill your brethren that are going and serving other gods before they destroy every other person. Moses could Moses could do all of those things, fall on his face and ask God to fight. The point being made is Moses was meek to God. Being meek to God doesn't make you meek to everybody else. See, if I'm meek to God and he tell me not to fornicate or commit adultery, I don't care what you're doing. If I'm meek to God, I'm I'm humble and pliable to him. Uh, your, your feelings, your desires, or whatever somebody is making funny, it doesn't matter. If I'm meek to God and somebody curse me out, I might want to bust him in the face with my elbow, but if I'm meek to God, no. And if he's hungry, I have to feed him. Meek to God gives you the power to be strong in the times of opposition. 
But if you don't understand the confrontation, it always calls you to rise up and rebel against God and not be meek to God. Case in point. Anytime God tells us to do something we don't like and we find that we can solve our problem with it or we think we can solve our problem, you're not being meek to God when you know God has told you what not to do. But if some people say, let's go do this, and you're like, I don't want them to think I'm scared. I don't want them to think I so-and-so-and-so. Well, what about the gospel of inclusion? What about, do you think that, you know, people's sexual sins would cause God to cast them aside? You're not going to be meek to God and say yes. You're going to say, I don't know. Liar. First Corinthians 6 and 9, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers, and you know the list, um, 5 and 19, the book of Galatians. No, you're not. That's not, no, you're not. He talked about the works of the flesh which are manifest, which are these. He gives a list. Revelation 21 and 8, he gives a list. Start with the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sources, and idolaters, and all liars it gets down to. So he had their part in the lake of fire. But you say you don't know. You really want that person's opinion of you. You will humble yourself for that person's opinion of you to be good and not be meek to God and let that person think lowly of you. That's what it comes down to. Are you meek to God? Let me quit using the word meek. We don't use meek as much. Are you humble to God? Will you humble yourself to the most high God? Or will you humble yourself to this person that can give you some approval? Maybe let you get a job, whatever. You know, I told a woman the other day, I said, I'm not working on the Sabbath. It's not. I said, that's the day I choose. I said, I don't care if you pay me $1,000. Maybe it'll be a $300 job. I don't care. If I tell you I'm not going to do it, quit asking me. I don't care. I try to have that kind of mindset to be humble to God. You see, when we humble to God, that's when you grow. Where you get that from, Tim? Let this mind, don't just quote it, do it. Let this mind, Philippians 2 and 5, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, the kenosis, being in very nature, God, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He had no problem with that. I think that it's robbery. Oh, not Robert to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh. He did that. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humiliated himself. He humiliated himself. He humbled himself even unto death. The death on the cross, the death of hanging on a tree. But the Bible says, wherefore also God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Yeshua HaMashiach, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The mind of Christ is that I will humiliate myself for the things of God, but I'm not going to humiliate myself to you. Jesus went in and whipped their butts. Uh, he went in and he drove them out with cords twice at the beginning of his ministry. 
John chapter 2, and at the end of his ministry, he gave them what, the, let me say it like some of my other's brothers says, he gave them the what for in the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All that they bid you to do, do it, but don't do as they do, or they say and do not. And he gave them seven woes. Can we humble ourselves to God? You're going to have the opportunity to humble yourself to man. The family members, they won't like you, so you humble yourself to them. You on your job. You don't really see it that way, do you? You don't believe that someone, so and so, like somebody might say to me, you don't believe Christianity is the only way to God, do you? I say, I don't know what you mean by Christianity. I, say, I really don't. So before I answer your question, what do you call Christianity? Catholicism. I said, no, I don't believe that. Well, what do you believe? I believe the word of God is right and all his works are done in truth. And when a person calls himself a Christian, if they're not following the teachings of the Christ and being subject to his righteous laws, then no. But anyone that does follow his righteous laws, then yes, that's what I believe. But I thought y'all say he's saved by grace alone. I said the grace of God makes them be able to do that. I say, I say first, I say most people don't know what they're talking about. When the Bible said the law is gone, that's the law of Moses. There's another law, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet till Shiloh come, and to him will be the gathering together of the people. The Bible says explicitly, it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, whom Moses said nothing about priesthood. Moses said nothing about law, but it was evident that they had to be another priesthood like Melchizedek because Levi had already paid tithes. That's too much theology for some people. Then the comments, precious love. Precious love is my wife. I have a question about um, the land and the inheritance mm -hmm. and how um, some teach that true Israel will return to Israel and that will be their portion in the earth. Mm -hmm. And does that still stand or um, how is that going to work pretty much? I believe that I believe that what's going to happen is God is going to let people realize that the whole earth is going to be given. You see, that's the promise that He made to Abraham was to be heir of the world. Not, yes, and that's why Paul is able to say that. But that land over there in Palestine. I believe that they'll be able to have that, but I don't believe it's the picture that people are looking at, that you're going to have this land and it's all you're going to live because sometimes the, the understanding of the book of Ezekiel will have a person thinking that you're going to go back to the sacrificial system. And if you go back to the sacrificial system, there is no sacrificial system of animals in the the Messiah's rule as king. There is no sacrificial system in the priesthood of the Messiah other than you presenting your body as a living sacrifice because he told you if you will if you're gonna follow me, take up your cross and follow me. If you lose your life to save it. Uh Hebrews tell us that the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, those don't remove sin. But that was necessary if for those that don't know where I'm coming from, I'm coming from Hebrews chapter nine. Those things were a shadow. They were the training wheels to point us to the day that, look, animals didn't sin, man did. And if man is going to, man, some, some man has got to be able to take away our sin, but he's got to be a man that's equal to Adam. 
because all of us came through Adam's loin. That's why I'm able to say emphatically that everybody came out, they came out from a black man. He had to be very, very what we call dark because you get the colors of the spectrum in black. Well, not only the colors of the spectrum in black, Paul already said it came from one blood. Secondarily, I don't like to use it, but even the secular ungodly science talk about the Eve gene. Every time they go dig in archaeology really deep, I'm talking about really deep and find civilizations, aren't they always black? I mean, let's be real serious. Aren't they almost almost always? Somebody say, but what about what they got in Greece and what they got about what they got in Greece and what they got in Rome? I'm talking about when you go back to antiquity, like Sumer. When you go and dig deep in the ground and you start finding the, the artifacts and things. But yet, when you get to America, your inheritance is you were only savages. We gave you Christianity so you wouldn't be stupid. No, you gave, you gave us Christianity from Catholicism. You didn't give us that which Paul had. You didn't give us that which Moses gave and that Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 18, a prophet will come like me unto thee. Him shall you hear, and if you don't hear him, God will require it. You don't, you're not giving me that. Because you don't want us to fulfill the righteousness of the law. Romans 8 and 4 says the righteousness of the law got to be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The Messiah himself says in Matthew 5 and 20, except your righteousness is seen, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. How is that going to be done? The same one that drives out your enemies? What do you see in Philippians 2 and 13? It is God that works in you both to will and to will. That's important. To will and to do of his good pleasure. That's what the Bible says. Oh, the Bible is so pretty. And I love it. What is entry? Did I did I discuss that at all? Because there's because I know there's some people that that's the that's the that's the totality of what they believe we're gonna get the land, and they don't realize that we're not only supposed to get we're supposed to get and have dominion over the earth, but we get Yahweh. But while we're here, we're supposed to be giving God's kingdom. He is an inher our inheritance. So if, you have, if your eyesight is just, okay, we're going to get this little bitty piece of land here in Palestine, and we're going to have that, but we're not ruling. We're not governing the earth. We're not planning righteousness. We have failed, but the wicked, they rule. They want to control the schools, and they do. They want to control higher education, and they do. They want to control entertainment, and they do. They control your mass media, and they do. They control the books, and they do. From Gutenberg Press, they control. Well, what about we as the people of God? When are we going to do something? You think God made a mistake when he made us black? Let me tell you something. When you watch Planet of the Apes, the old Planet of the Apes, like you and I talked about last night, they you get a chance to see how this world really operates. Because in Planet of the Apes, the apes actually represent something. And when those men came off of that spaceship and they got off and they saw the apes, and guess who was called the apes or the ape like an evolutionary construct? This we black people. 
And so the black people are supposed to have written, rewritten it, an almighty ape created man in his own image and his own likeness. And so they had a forbidden zone. I'm going to go back and watch it because it's like I'm older now. I can just remember because I was so fascinated every Saturday I'd want to watch it. And so what would happen is they went to the forbidden zone and they found out that Charleston Heston and his crew had been there before and the earth had been destroyed and they saw the Statue of Liberty under the dirt and they saw stuff inside the tr uh, inside of the subways. So what ended up happening by that by that picture, it was showing we don't want the apes to ever take over. But on the other side, another paradigm was the apes are portrayed to be us, but in actuality, I want you to look at how things really are in this world. When we read our Bible, when we see pictures in our Bible, when we see all of the angels, they were white when I grew up, every single one of them. When you look at Eastern Orthodoxy, you look at different groups. When you look at everything that is taught from the time you get Constantine taken over and they start painting in the pictures in 1 Maccabees 3 and 48, everybody after their gods like Hercules, Zeus, and uh, Minerva, they start painting everybody white. We eradicated the black. We removed the Hebrew construct. And like the Pope said, we gave you all Sunday. They gave us Christmas. They gave us Easter. You don't find us in the Bible. And we black people love it. The more books, like I got that book right there, American, American Negro Slave Revolts. I got a lot of books. And they all almost invariably talk about how they use Christmas. And they use holidays to keep you in line. Like you get, like pe people getting ready tomorrow to, to, to have a celebration of a bastardized day. Fourth of July was not the day of independence. August the 2nd was. Yeah, we'll teach the lie. If you'll teach the lie about that, about Columbus discovering America in 1492, how, what other lies will you teach? If you'll teach the lie and say black people weren't already here in America that we were savages, how do you explain the Olmec people, O-L-M-E-C? How do you explain the some people here? What is it in order for what is to be what it is to be what it is? So in the Planet of the Apes, Gary, they made the apes be the people that changed the book to paint themselves in it. And in actuality, it was them. I would submit to you, do any DNA and start with what is the D a DNA haplogroup, what does it represent on the color scheme? E1, I eat one, B1, beat one, eat one, beat one, A. Look at it. Look at it. You might be surprised. Anyway, any more, any other thought, Andrina, dealing with that inheritance and stuff? They have groupings of they have groupings in which they say different people descended from certain places on the in the world, and they and they give it a taxonomical name haplo H A P L O haplo group, and this is an amazing thing. Finally, we have somebody that is accepted by Christianity in Answers in Genesis. He's now saying that. And he'll mention a little bit about black, but see, but for almost, has it been 10 years or more, Ron Dalton has done the same work. 
He'll show you E1B1A, E1B1B. He'll show you, but they'll show you where different groupings of people come. So when you have DNA tests, it'll let you know what region of the world that your ancestors came from because it's still in the male DNA. So what ends up happening is although our history has been taken from us, our culture and our language, our DNA remains um, kind of the same. You get some mixture, you know, because I, I think our great-great-grandfather on our mother's side, maybe about five back, was white. But uh, we get our darkness from our daddy's side. I mean, our extra darkness. <laughs> You know, because my mama, I used to pick it up when I was when I was young. I said, "Mama, you yellow." <laughs> so I don't have any more comments. I'm not going to be labor. I mean, because uh, let me see on the conference line. Did anybody is the conference line open? Okay, so so if nobody really want anything to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna close it. May God Yahweh bless us and keep us. Make his face to shine upon us. Help us to realize not only do we have an inheritance in him, we got an inheritance in this world. We're his children. Help us to realize that it's not going to be by might, nor by power, that we get treated in the way that he wants us to be done, but it'll be by his spirit. When we, when we move, God by our humility to him and we pray and we seek his face and turn from our wicked ways and he'll hear from heaven he'll forgive our sins and he'll heal our land we don't want to keep living and leave nothing for our children but just hopelessness and a bunch of songs and Facebook posts we want to leave them an inheritance where they go in and know it's time to rule. And even if they're going to kill us, throw us in a furnace, throw us in a lion's thing, whatever, we're going to be steadfast and unmovable. And there's the old timey song we used to hear, leave our run on, see what the end will be. Father, thank you for your blessed word. You're eternal, you're immortal, you're invisible. Grant us your power. Help us to realize there's an inheritance. And you're able for us to have the inheritance that you wanted for us that have been taken away and some of it squandered. Help us, I pray you, in the blessed name of your holy child, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua, Amashiach, amen, amen, and even so, amen.